You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. Well, good morning, Christ Walk Church. How is everybody doing today? It is so, so good to be in the house with you. Um, before we jump into the message this morning, um, I would be remiss if we did not recognize our veterans in the spirit of the series that we are in um, with Thanksgiving and gratitude. Uh, we just celebrated Veterans Day um, on this past Friday. And so if you're in the house with us and you are um, a veteran of our armed forces, would you stand so that we could just give you a round of applause. Yeah. To those of you in the house, to those um, who maybe fit that bill that are watching online, thank you so much for the sacrifices um, that you make, not just personally, but you and your family as well. Um, in putting yourself out there so that we can be a free nation and that we can be afforded um, the opportunities that we are afforded as the people of this great country. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And I would encourage every single person, yeah, we can clap for that. That's okay. We can clap for that. We have, a, uh, we have a small display out in the lobby and um, there's some little green army men in a bowl and so I would encourage you to, um, to grab one of those on the way out and stick it maybe somewhere that you would see it um, on a regular basis, maybe like on your nightstand or um, on the corner of your desk or something. And every time you look at that, if you would just breathe a prayer for those that are serving in our armed forces and for their families um, who are helping to protect our freedoms around the world, uh, we would love for you to do that. Um, Today we are in part two of a series called Thanks Living, where we're taking a look at what the Bible has to say about cultivating a lifestyle of thankfulness, gratitude, and contentment. And last week, we talked about Jesus' healing of the 10 lepers, and we learned that when it comes to gratitude, that we should be the exception. And if you missed that message, I would encourage you to go back to um, our podcast or perhaps our YouTube channel and give it a listen or a watch so that you can catch up. But today, if you got your Bible, you got a smart device, I want to invite you to turn with me or swipe with me to the New Testament. We are going to take a look together at uh, Paul's first letter to the church in Thessalonica, so 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to land in chapter 5 there momentarily. Uh, so you can turn, swipe there, keep a finger there, and we'll, we'll get there in just a minute. But um, here in the United States, we, um, we trace the origins of our Thanksgiving holiday traditions back to the pilgrims that migrated here on the Mayflower to pursue religious freedom, landing at Plymouth Rock in Massachusetts in the year 1620. And regarding those traditions, Gerald Steffi writes this. He says, think of that little band of people who crossed the Atlantic in a boat that was 26 feet by 112 feet and landed on the New England coast during a bitter cold winter. At times that first year, the daily ration of those who were well was only five grains of corn. 
In early New England, it was the custom at Thanksgiving time to place five kernels of corn on every plate as a reminder of those stern days in the first winter when the food of the pilgrims was depleted. Then only five kernels of corn were rationed to each individual at a time. The pilgrim fathers wanted their children to remember the sacrifice, the sufferings, and the hardships through which they had safely passed. A fitting hardship that made possible the settlement of a free people in a free land. They wanted to keep alive the memory of that 63-day trip taken in the tiny Mayflower. They desired to keep alive the thought of that stern and rock-bound coast, its inhospitable welcome, and the first terrible winter which took a toll on, uh, which took such a toll of lives. They did not want their descendants to forget that on that day in which their rations were reduced to five kernels of corn, that only seven healthy colonists remained to nurse the sick and that nearly half of their members lay in the windswept graveyard on the hill. They worked for seven years to repay London for the loan of their trip. And that was before the days of credit cards. After suffering every kind of hardship, they had a harvest of 21 acres of corn. And in the fall of 1621, they immediately offered thanks to God for his bountiful blessings. This little group, led by Governor William Bradford, marched triumphantly through the cornfield, singing, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Then they sat down to a meal in gladness and joy, and they were giving thanks to God no matter what. And it's that last statement that I want to zero in on for our time this morning, giving thanks to God no matter what. I mean, let's face it. The call to give thanks is a welcome one whenever things are going well and we're riding high in life. But what about for those of us who look around in the midst of this season and find little to nothing to be thankful for? You know, it, it's, it's hard to be thankful when you're at odds with your spouse. It's hard to be thankful when there is tension between you and your children or other members of your extended family. It's hard to be thankful when you've just said goodbye and laid a loved one to rest. It's hard to be thankful when the doctor has given a negative prognosis. It's hard to be thankful when there is regularly more months than there is paycheck. It's hard to be thankful when you get look, overlooked for the promotion again. It's hard to be thankful when the business deal went south. It's hard to be thankful when you just can't seem to shake the addiction. It's hard to be thankful when you're gripped by overwhelming depression or fear or anxiety. It's hard to be thankful when you feel like nobody sees and nobody cares. It's hard to be thankful when you just feel like you can't catch a break and you have to look up in order to see the bottom. So what about then? In situations like that, for those of us that are experiencing things of that nature, how could we possibly be able to be thankful? And the Apostle Paul tells us exactly how we can do this in his first letter to the Thessalonians chapter five. Uh, we're gonna take a look at 
uh, verses 16 through 18 together. He says this. He says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Professor James Denny of Scotland called these three commands, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances. He called these three commands the standing orders of the gospel. They're standing orders because they always apply to every Christian in every single situation. And I don't know about you this morning, but as I read these commands of the Apostle Paul, I would feel a whole lot better today if they said, rejoice sometimes, pray occasionally, give thanks whenever you feel like it, right? That would make things a little bit easier to swallow for all of us. But it's the modifiers that are listed here that that trip us up. It's the the always, it's the in all circumstances, it's the the never stop doing this. Ray Pritchard about this particular passage says this. He says, this suggests that the real impact of the gospel will be seen when we don't feel joyful, when we don't want to pray, and when we can't think of a reason to be thankful. That's when we discover if our Christianity is the genuine article or a spiritual counterfeit. These simple commands reveal the true life-changing power of Jesus Christ. When he enters a life, he changes it from the inside out so that we have both the power and desire to rejoice, to pray, and to give thanks, even in the worst moments of life. But less than desirable circumstances in the life of the believer, in truth, they shouldn't catch us off guard. In fact, for those of us that have placed our hope and trust in Christ as Lord and Savior, we should be expecting these kinds of things to come around from time to time. Consider what Jesus said in in John 16, 33. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. Matthew 10, you will be hated by everyone because of me. Matthew 24, 9, you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. The time is coming, John 16, 2, when anyone who kills you will think that they are offering a service to God. Acts 14, tells us that we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. 2 Timothy 3.12, Paul writes that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. See, the, the scriptures are clear this morning. What Jesus suffered, his followers will suffer. The trials, the hardship, the persecution, it's all inevitable for those of us who are Christians. It's, it's just how things are. It is destined. And anyone who has told you anything different is a liar, plain and simple. Whoever said that life in Christ was going to be all sunshine and rainbows all the time and that everything was going to go your way is not telling you the truth of what the reality is that we should expect. 
And, and this was certainly true for these believers in Thessalonica that, that Paul is writing to. Um, these Christians were being persecuted. Their property was being seized. Those who had jobs, they were, they were stopped from practicing many of their trades. Those who had found this, this newfound faith in Christ were often being shunned by their families. Some were insulted, some were being beaten, and others had even been put to death as a result of their faith. They were in the midst of experiencing suffering of the worst kind. And Paul, being deeply concerned for these young Christians who were going through such severe trials all on their own, he wrote them these words to encourage them in the midst of their plight. Always be joyful, never stop praying, give thanks in all circumstances. And so by modeling our lives after the direction of Paul here in this passage, just like the Thessalonians, we too can cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving despite having to endure great difficulty. We'll simply determine to make three simple choices that Paul communicates to us are God's will for those who belong to him. You know, a lot of us, we ask the question, well, what is God's will for my life? How do I know what God's will is? I would suggest to you this morning that if you're struggling figuring that out, that this is a really good place to start. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to uh, write, these, write this down. We're going to talk about three choices that are God's will for his people. Three choices that are God's will for his people. People. And the first choice that you and I who call ourselves believers on Jesus, the first choice that we are to make is that we're to choose to be joyful. We're to choose to be joyful. See, here's the deal. We, we, can, we can be miserable or we can be joyful. It's totally up to us. It's totally up to us how we want to proceed through this life. If, if we want to be miserable, we can choose to be miserable. But if we want to be joyful, we can make that choice as well. And, and chances are you probably know somebody that lives their life with the attitude of gloom, despair, and agony on me, right? And, and I bet that if, if truth were to be told, you probably hate being around that person. You see that person coming and like you're in Walmart, you know, and you turn the corner with the buggy and you see that person and immediately, even though the thing you needed that you came there for is on the aisle right where they are, you turn and you go around the whole entire store just to avoid them. Just me? I've literally done that. Because those people... <laughs> I kid you not, this was me in Walmart one time, like by the edge of the aisle, <laughs> waiting for that person to move. Some dude walked by me and I was like, how you doing? <laughs> I did not want to talk to them because people like that, they're drains. Instead of being fountains, they, they find a way, rather than bring refreshment to the atmosphere, they figure out a way to suck the ever living life out of it, Right? can't stand those people and be careful because if you don't know anybody like that, 
you might be the person that the other people know and they're trying to avoid. Here's what Paul says in Romans 8, 28. He says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Jensen Franklin says it this way. He says, life has done nothing to you that God can't use for good. No matter how bad your situation looks, God can use it for your good and for his glory. Because of that, Paul writes this in Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. He says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us to develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we choose to be joyful in the midst of whatever situation that we are facing, when we choose to rejoice, that rejoicing leads to endurance. And then endurance leads to the development of strength of character. And strength of character translates into confident hope. And confident hope points us to the assurance that we have that because of Jesus, the best is yet to come. Here's what else Paul writes about joy. Galatians 5.22, he says this, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, you know the rest. But the Holy Spirit produces joy. See, joy is not manufactured by, or it's not a byproduct of our situation or our circumstance in life. Joy is manufactured by the Holy Spirit in our life. So if, if, if you are, are experiencing a lack of joy in your life, regardless of what circumstances you're facing, that's an indicator that you are not living a life in keeping with the Holy Spirit. I think about a man named Norman Cousins. Norman was hospitalized with a rare crippling form of arthritis. When he was diagnosed as incurable, Cousins decided to check himself out of the hospital. Aware of the harmful effects that negative emotions can have on the body, Cousins reasoned that the reverse was also true. So he borrowed a movie projector and prescribed his own treatment, consisting of Marx Brothers films and old candid camera reruns. It didn't take long for him to discover that 10 minutes of laughter provided two hours of pain-free sleep. Amazingly, his debilitating disease was eventually reversed. <clears throat> After the account of his victory appeared in the New England Journal of Medicine, Cousins received more than 3,000 letters from appreciative physicians throughout the world. See, Norman Cousins had figured out the secret of Nehemiah 8.10, which says, "'Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks.'" and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before the Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's somebody in this house that needs to leave church, go home, and watch some stand-up comedy on Netflix. 
There's somebody here that, that for lunch, you just need to go and eat a good meal, like splurge for the steak and the loaded baked potato once in a while. There's some people here that you need to get around some other people and just enjoy fellowshipping together. This is the power of life groups. It's, it's why we encourage everyone to be a part of life groups. We, we were made to be in community with each other and we need to, we need to surround ourselves with each other and, and eat good meals and laugh and share and, and enjoy the life that God has given us because the joy of the Lord is our strength strength. When you've got the joy of the Lord, you look like Doug Lane spiritually. (laughs) So we're supposed to be people who will choose to be joyful. Number two, we're supposed to be people who will choose or choose to be a person of prayer, choose to be people of prayer. In the same way that, that we can be miserable or we can be joyful, we, we get to choose. We can pout or we can pray. We can either pout or we can pray. When, when life goes our way, it's often our tendency, our first reaction to let everybody and their mama know about it, right? We'll get on social media, we'll text, we'll call, we'll pull people to the side at church or in the office, We like to play the victim so that everyone else will know how hard things are and know about the bad hand that we've been dealt because we enjoy it when when people feel sorry for us. And so what we end up doing is we'll, we'll throw statements out and we'll begin to fish for the care and concern of other people. But before we talk to anyone else about our situation, we should talk to God about it first. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have those people in our lives that that we confide in and that we let know the real us, but that net shouldn't be cast very wide. And the truth is, is that before we even speak to anyone else about it, we should get down on our knees and we should speak to God about it first. Because after all, he's the only one that can do anything about it anyway. That other person, those people that that they're seeing your your status on Facebook and they're clicking the little, you know, the little smiley face, hugging the heart because they care. Oh, they care. They can't do a lick to change your situation, but God can. I love what Tim Keller says about this. He says, we are so quick to tweet Facebook and Instagram, but we're slow to pray. We spend hours on the internet, but minutes on our knees. Whenever anyone asks me if I have any regrets in life, I say, I should have prayed a whole lot more. Man, that hit me like a ton of bricks when I read that. That's exactly how I feel. It's exactly the way that I live my life. I'm quick to do all of these other things, but I'm slow often to hit my knees. See, what what I've discovered is that prayer throughout the scriptures, prayer and gratitude are often linked together, like a truck pulling a trailer Colossians chapter four, verse two, it says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. See, prayer and thanksgiving go together. Uh, Continuing in, in Philippians chapter four, Paul writes this. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. 
Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. See, I think many of us find it so difficult to pray even in the midst of trial and heartache is because our enemy knows what we will discover if we do. It's right there. He says, then you will experience God's peace. It's the peace that passes all understanding in the midst of the adversity that we're facing. People are gonna look at us and go, how in the world are they walking through that and still like being the way that they are? I don't get it. How are you so calm? How are you so at rest? How are you not worried about what is happening in your life or in the world around you? Well, it's because I talked to God about it and he told me it was gonna be fine. He told me that he was in control and I'm trusting in him. I'm trusting in his word. I'm trusting in his track record in my life and in the lives of those around me. That's how. Not only that, but that that peace is gonna protect our hearts and our minds from the hurt and the pain that is brought on by the difficulty that we are experiencing. And I I know when when we read um, this passage out of 1 Thessalonians 5, we see that it says, never stop praying. And that brings up a question for a lot of us. How can I never stop praying? Because like I have to eat and I have to sleep and I have to send emails and I have to answer the phone. Pastor Blake, you're the pastor and you're not even praying right now. So how can you tell me that I'm never supposed to stop praying when you're not even doing it? That's because Paul isn't necessarily speaking to our actions. He's speaking to our attitude. Leon Morris says it this way. He says, it's not possible for us to spend all our time with the words of prayer on our lips, but it is possible for us to be all our days in the spirit of prayer, realizing our dependence on God for all we have and are being conscious of his presence with us wherever we may be and yielding ourselves continually to him to do his will. That spirit of prayer, what that looks like is is where we constantly realize our dependence on God. It's not about my strength or my abilities. God, I'm leaning into you today. It's, It's being conscious of God's presence. It's Lord, I know that you're here with me. Help me to recognize your presence. Help me to follow your leading and your guidance and your direction. And and when when you make the way plain, it's about yielding ourselves to his will. It's not about the things that I want. The spirit of prayer is patterning our lives after the things that he wants. And when we do these things, when, when we recognize our dependence on him, when we're conscious, conscious of his presence, when, when we yield ourselves to his will, what happens is, is it helps us to become more and more like Jesus. Sam Shoemaker says it like this. He says, prayer may not change things for you, but it sure changes you for things. See, we, somewhere along the line, we, we got the notion that prayer was about changing our situation, but prayer was never about changing our situation. It's about changing our heart so that we can become more like Jesus. And that's something that you and I have the opportunity to choose. We can choose to be joyful. We choose to be a person of prayer. Number three, 
We choose to be thankful. We choose to be thankful. And notice in our original passage, Paul says to be thankful in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. It's simply a matter of perspective. It reminds me of a story I heard recently about two women who hadn't seen each other in several years. They met up at a convention and began filling each other in on what had happened in their lives since the last time they had been together. And one woman said, I got married two years ago. Oh, that's good, her friend replied. Well, no, not really, the first one said. My husband's twice as old as I am. Oh, that's bad, her friend replied. Well, not really, she said. He's a multimillionaire. Oh, that's good, her friend replied. Well, not really, she said. He's mean to me and kind of stingy. Oh, that's bad, her friend replied. Well, no, not really, she said. He did build us a million-dollar house. Oh, that's good, her friend replied. Well, no, not really, she said. It burned down last month. (laughs) Oh, that's bad, her friend replied. Well, not really. My husband was in it when he burned down. (laughs) It's all about perspective. Now some of you don't have to watch Netflix. (laughs) See, we can complain or we can be thankful. And, And this is a learned behavior. And the only way that we can learn how to do this in our life is to simply experience more difficulty. And so the truth is, is that God doesn't, he may not cause the difficulty in our lives, but he will certainly allow it because he's trying to teach us something in the midst of it. He's he's teaching us a lesson. Paul says this in Philippians chapter four, verses 11 through 13. He says, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. See, it's a learned behavior. I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. See, the lesson is is that no matter how hard our situation is, is that God is in control and he's gonna give us the strength to get through it. That he hasn't turned a blind eye on us that he hasn't forsaken us, that he's not punishing us, but he's giving us the opportunity to realize that it's not about these hands and this body and this ability, but it's all about him. And we're, we're leaning in and we're putting our hope and our trust in him and who he is. And we're relying on his strength to carry us on one step at a time, day after day after day after day, until we approach and make it to that finish line at the end of this life. That's why he allows difficulty to come in so that we can learn to lean into him and all that he is for us. It makes me think of the words of David in Psalm 23, verse four. The English standard version says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
I'm reminded this morning that for those of you who may be in the valley, you need to know that you're not stuck there. You're not stuck there. God is leading you through it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there is another mountaintop for you to get to. It's important to note that it's, it's the valley of the shadow of death. What I know about shadows is that they can't hurt you. They can't hurt you. They can't bring harm to you. The other thing that I know about shadows is that shadows prove the sunshine exists. Because without the sunshine, there would be no shadows. And so it's a reminder to us that in the midst of the deepest, darkest times of our life, that God is right there with us, leading, guiding, protecting, directing, overseeing, so you and I, we can be thankful. We can be thankful because even in the midst of life's greatest difficulty, God is right there by our side. He has not left. He has not forsaken us. I'll close with this, Ephesians 5. Paul says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Christ Jesus. See, living a lifestyle of thanksgiving, it's the wise thing to do. Living a lifestyle of thanksgiving, Paul says it's, it's the thoughtful thing to do. Living a lifestyle of thanksgiving, it's the obedient thing to do. And living a lifestyle of thanksgiving is God's will for those of us who belong to Jesus Christ. For those of us that have placed our hope, our trust in him as Lord and Savior, a lifestyle of thanksgiving, regardless of the circumstances we find ourselves in, is a defining characteristic of those who claim to follow Jesus, those who claim to belong to him. And today, if you would like to belong to Jesus, all you have to do is simply accept him as a Lord and Savior of your life. If you've never done that, you're in the room, you're watching with us online this morning, and you're ready to take that step. You're ready to enter into covenant relationship with your heavenly Father through accepting his son Jesus as Lord and Savior. I want to invite you to pray this very simple prayer with me. It's going to be on the screen if you need it. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. Today, I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. 
To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.